Judges 6.1 reads, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, you are sovereign Lord of all, almighty creator God of the universe, loving Savior of all who call on the name of Jesus, spirit comforter who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. We praise you and we bow in awe of your omnipotence, your omniscience, and your omnipresence. Father, we pray that your will be done right here, right now at FBC and in the lives of our members, just as your will is perfectly done in heaven. Father, help us look for and follow your lead rather than ask your blessing on our own incomplete, finite, earthly plans. Lord, please provide today what we need today to live today for your glory. We thank you for your faithful provision for us in the past, and we trust you to provide what we need today. Father, forgive us where we have sinned. In our pride, bring us to humility. In our greed, move us to gratitude. In our envy, move us to be content in all that you provided. In our fear, renew our faith. In our laziness, prod us to serve you and bring glory. And in our gluttony, Father, help us hunger and thirst for you and nothing more than Jesus. Lord, protect us from the evil one who seeks to destroy us and lead us in your righteous path all day long. Help us find glory in your power, trust your power, and praise, your, praise you for your power so all who watch us know how great you are. Father, thank you for loving us and help us draw closer to Jesus than we've ever been before. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The book of Judges contains a cyclical story. And in the absence of their courageous leader, Joshua, they abandon God. God brings a foreign power to terrorize them. They cry out to God. God raises up a judge to deliver them. They repent and enjoy a season of peace. And then the cycle starts all over again in their disobedience. Judges 17.6 sums up the arrogance and the defiance of the times so very well. It says, in those days there were no king in Israel Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now, during this era of the judges, we're introduced to a man named Gideon. Israel had gone through this uh, rebellious cycle four times. And after the first judge rescued them, they lived in peace for 40 years. After the second judge rescued them, they enjoyed 80 years of peace. We don't know anything about the third judge really at all except for his name and then the judge number four is a woman named Deborah and her sidekick Barak who is afraid to do anything without Deborah's lead and her right by his side and after they served there was 40 years of peace and then Judges 6-1 we read just a moment ago the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. The first thing I want us to see in this is that God uses tough times to get our attention. You know, when the sky is blue, there's warm weather, not hot, not too cold. 
the yard is nice and green, the bank account is plush, the stock market is on the rise, soldiers are safely in their barracks, my children are healthy and growing, my friends are close, and Pam is by my side. All is right with the world. But sometimes my faith in those times, my trust in the Spirit, my love for Jesus, while it's not dead by any means, it's often not as vibrant when I've had a period when everything is wonderful. What about you? Does it get easier to miss worship in those times? Does your prayer life fall off a little bit? Do you read your Bible less often? Do you forget to thank God for all that he's done for you? Do you forget to tell others about how awesome God is? How about your personal sin? Do bad habits start to creep in your life like weeds in a garden? Does your patience get a bit shorter when something doesn't go your way? Are, uh, are the stinging words of anger quicker to fly out of your mouth? Do you find pride swell, greed grow, envy grip, laziness set in, gluttony attacked, lust linger a little longer, hatred heat up? Do you forget that God is the sovereign king and we are his children created to do his will? God notices. We talked about that last week. Our unchanging, immutable God notices us. He sees it all. He even knows the ugly thoughts that you have before you act on them. He's not glorified in that. He hates sin, and more than that, he hates what sin does in your life it moves you away from him it builds walls between you and other people it it, it fails to point people to jesus and it's followed by tough times why is god an angry god looking for a reason to take a belt to your backside not at all God is a loving Father willing to do exactly what it takes to bring you back to Him. I'm using Paul Tripp's New Morning Mercies as my uh, devotional guide for personal worship these days. And this week, March 20th, I read these words, God's discipline is not punishment for your sin because all of your punishment has been borne by your Savior, Jesus. Rather than being punitive, his fatherly discipline is transformative. It's designed to change your heart. It's one of the tools God uses to propel and ultimately to complete his agenda of grace in your life. God brought the full force of Midian on Israel to get their attention. The Midianites were like locusts on the land. They destroyed crops. They left nothing for Israel to eat. They left no sheep, no ox, no donkeys in the land. Fear ruled the day. And that's why God finds Gideon hiding in a winery thrashing wheat. Most people make wine in a winery and thrash wheat on the threshing floor. But Gideon is hiding in the winery because he's afraid of Midian. God brought this tough time on Israel to get his people's attention because he loves them. The second thing I want us to see in this story is that God sees more than we see. Now, here's a question for you. What did you see last week? 
I saw empty shelves where toilet paper should be. I saw a drive-through line of cars wrapped around the building at a fast food place while the front door was locked and no one could come in. I saw the stock market tumble like an avalanche. I saw a line outside a donut shop uh, where there was one person at the counter, the next person at the front door, and then every six feet you would find another customer all keeping their social distance. I, I saw people wearing masks. I saw people with a look on their faith, face like, is this for real? What did you see? Well, here's another question for you. What, what did God see? When God looks at you today, what does he see? Judges 6.12 reads, And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. When God looked at the man who was hiding in the winery while he's threshing the wheat in fear of the Midianites, he said, O mighty man of valor. And I wonder, did Gideon look back behind his shoulder and who are you talking to, God? Is there someone else back there? Well, I know that feeling. When God called me to be a pastor, I was in my bedroom alone, and I thought, are you talking to me? Is there someone else in this room? And then I thought, God, do you see who you're talking to? I don't like writing. I don't like public speaking. You must be talking to someone else. The truth is that God saw more than I could see. God saw what I could be when I trusted in him. God saw what Gideon could be when Gideon fought the battle in the strength of God with God by his side. God sees everything. In this situation, God saw the strength of the Midianites, and he saw the doubts and the fears of Gideon, and he knew that the strength of the Midianites was no match for the doubts and the fears of Gideon plus the strength of God. God sees, God knows, and God is omnipotent. I ask my son, the third thing I want you to see is that God confirms his plans with his presence. I, I remember when Preston was very young, four or five years old, we were at my parents' house. They had an unfinished basement he absolutely loved to play in. And uh, that night I, I said, Preston, would you run down to the basement and get something for us? And he said, no, it's dark down there. I don't want to go. And I said, well, the light switch is at the top of the steps. Just turn that on, and it'll be all right. And he said, no, Dad, would you please go with me? So I got up. We went, and we turned on the light switch. We went down to the basement. We retrieved what we needed. We came back up, and I said, that wasn't so bad, was it? He said, no, that, that was okay. I said, so you could do it next time by yourself? And he said, gee, Dad, it's just not as dark when you're there. You know, throughout this story, God promises his presence. In verse 12, the angel of God says, the Lord is with you. In verse 14, the angel says, am I not sending you? Which implies his presence in this situation. And when Gideon points out that he is from an insignificant family, and in that insignificant family, he is the least significant of all, the angel says, but I will be with you. Gideon is still struggling. And he comes up with a way for God to prove his presence and his strength. He says, please stay here. I, I want to go get an offering, and I'll bring it back. And the angel says, I'll stay right here. So Gideon cooks a goat. He bakes some bread, and he brings it back. And the angel says, put the food on this stone. 
and Gideon puts the food on the stone. And then from the stone, a fire comes and completely devours the food. And the angel disappears. And it's then that Gideon realizes that he has seen the very face of the angel of God. And he's terrified. God has a plan for Gideon. And he confirmed it with his presence. It's interesting to note that Gideon wants to know God is there. And when he realizes God is there, it frightens him. But it sounds like us, doesn't it? We want God. We want all of God. But when all of God shows up, we're terrified as we should be. Isn't that why God's word says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? You know, the fear of the world, what does it cause us to do? It causes us to freeze or flight or fight or fright or faint. But the fear of God is where wisdom and courage are born. In verse 14, God says, go in the strength that you have. Am I not sending you? And verse 16 adds, and I will be with you. In the midst of the enemy called COVID-19, God is with us. The fourth thing I want you to see is that God seeks confession from us before service from us. Let's recap. Israel has sinned. God is disciplining them. Israel cries out for help. God answers by calling Gideon to be the hero, and he promises Gideon his presence in the battle. Yet before it's time to put on battle armor and pick up bows and arrows and slings and stones, there's a very big issue at hand. What caused the conflict to start with? Well, the answer is sin. Sin is disobedience. It's knowing what God wants you to do and refusing to do it. It's knowing what God doesn't want you to do and doing it anyway. So what do you do when you've sinned? Well, let me suggest what some of us try to do. Some of us deny it. We think that if we deny it, God will think, oh, well, Maybe that was my mistake, my bad. Not likely to happen with a God who sees and knows everything. Now, some of us blame someone else. Hey, sorry about that, God, but my brother made me do it. My sister made me do it. My coworker made me do it. My, my wife made me do it. The devil made me do it. And it's amazing how we can find someone to blame. And again, we do this as if God doesn't know the truth. Some of us work harder to make up for the wrong that we've done. If I sin a little, then I'll work a little and make up for it. If I sin big, then I'll work big and make up for it. But just how much good does it take to make up? And what if I miscalculate? Well, let me help you calculate for just a moment. The Bible says all of your righteousness is like filthy rags in Isaiah 64, 6. So, so much for trying to do a lot of good stuff to make up for my sin. When if I put all of my righteousness together to God, it looks like filthy rags. Romans 3.23 says, for all have come short of the glory of God. Now, because the word you can be singular or plural, I read this this week, our common expression that some people in this world make fun of, y'all, actually is more accurate because it is obviously plural. But to make it absolutely clear at times, we might even say, all y'all, you've heard that before. Paul says, all y'all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, every one of us. And Romans 6, 23 says, the wage of sin is death. 
You work one month and you get a paycheck for one month. You sin once and you get a certificate of death. We all sin and we all die because of that sin. And no amount of good stuff cancels the death certificate. So before Gideon is ready to do battle alongside God and against the enemy, he needs to get right with God. Cleaning up our mess doesn't get us on the right side. Good works doesn't get us on the right side. Denying our sin doesn't get us on the right side. And blaming someone else doesn't get us on the right side. The only thing that gets us on the right side of God is confession. God, I've sinned. And if you aren't sure how to confess, if you need some motivation to confess, if you aren't sure what words to use, listen to David in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, God, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Gideon's father had built an altar to an idol called Baal. That was sin. God called for Gideon to get his father's young bull and his seven-year-old bull and tear down the altar and then sacrifice that seven-year-old bull in confession and repentance for the sin of worshiping idols. Now, the, the most wonderful thing about the Old Testament story here is that it prepares us to meet Jesus in the New Testament. Israel sinned. And God is requiring a blood sacrifice of a seven-year-old bull to find forgiveness of their sin. Some have noted that the seven-year-old bull coincides with the seven years of terror of the Midianites. Some have noted that the bull has been fattened for seven years, meaning that it was a prized bull. Surely it was special because the Midianites, we've already learned, had cleared out all the bull, all the cattle, all the ox, and all the donkeys. And, and so this is one of the, the few left remaining. It was very special. And some have noticed that this bull was being prepared for a sacrifice to the idol Baal. And God was signifying that God and God alone was worthy of our sacrifices. But the most important thing is that this bull's sacrifice for the sins of the people over the past seven years points to Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God who, who knew no sin and was the sacrifice once for all the sins of all the people of all the time, your sin and my sin included. So here's the good news. If you're listening today, and something is making you feel guilty for your sin, that is God's Holy Spirit prompting you to confess your sin and to repent of your sin right now. Confession is simply agreeing with God about what God already knows. You have sinned. Repentance is turning from all other things, all other idols, and worshiping and trusting and putting all your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus gave his life on the cross so that you could find peace with God. Would you confess? Would you repent? Would you trust Jesus today? Perhaps you're not sure about this. You're not sure how to do it, what you need to do. 
would you give me a call this week? I would be honored to talk to you about how you can get right in your relationship with the Lord. The fifth thing I want you to see in this story today is the patience of God. Now let me say a word to those who have confessed. And because of Jesus, you are right with God. One of the most comforting parts of this story is that it lets me know that I'm not alone. What do I mean? Well, if you're like me, and I suspect many of you are, you have doubts from time to time about your faith. You believe in God, but you have doubts that He is sufficient. Sometimes it's, I believe in God, but I need to add my own things here to to make my life complete. But we don't. God is completely uh, sufficient. You believe in God, but you have doubts of his sufficiency. You believe in God, but you have doubts he could really love you. You believe in God, but you're not sure the outcome will be good. If you harbor any doubt, you're not alone. You're in the same in the same boat as this man of God that the angel of God said to, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. So if a mighty man of valor has doubts, and God is still with him, it's comforting to me to know he is still with me and my doubts as well. God called Gideon. God promised Gideon his presence. God gave him a sign consuming the offering with the fire from a rock, and he reaffirmed his promise by the sign of dew on the fleece. Do you remember that part of the story? Gideon wanted another sign. So he said, God, I'm going to put a fleece on the thrashing floor and when I wake up if the dew the morning dew is on the fleece but not on the floor then I will believe now get this God does it exactly like Gideon asked and Gideon has the audacity to come back and say don't be angry God but would you do it again but we're going to reverse it this time I'll put the fleece on the floor and I want you to send the the morning dew to the floor but not on the fleece leave it dry And God, with patience, after all that he's done, God remained loving and faithful to Gideon, and he gives him that sign as well. Are you doubting today? Let me encourage you. Gideon had doubts too. So what do you do in the face of your doubts? Let me suggest this. Pray about it. Talk to God about it. He knows you were doubting before you doubted. He knows you doubted before you confessed you doubted. He knows, so talk to him about it. Second, remember all the times he's been faithful to you in the past, the illness he healed, the relationship he restored, the loneliness he soothed, the shortfall he made enough, the miscalculation he resolved for you. If you're a believer, my guess is that you can't count All the times God has been completely sufficient for you in the face of the challenges you faced. And third, remember his promises. Chris Tomlin wrote these beautiful lyrics. Father of kindness, you've poured out your grace. You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Faithful you all. All your promises are yes and amen. 
Chris Tomlin was inspired by God's Word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, God's Word says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. God is patient in your doubts. Finally this morning, God wants us to know that victory comes from Him and not us. The part of the story that I remember as a child is that final victory. Gideon musters 32,000 men as an army. 10,000 of them are confident and 20,000 of them, not so much. God says, you've got too many. Announce that whoever is fearful and trembling to turn around and leave. So 22,000 turn around and leave. 10,000 remain. And I get that. 22,000 fearful are going to do more harm than good. 10,000 courageous men will do much better without the chickens among them. But God has another plan. Gideon, you still have more than I want. Instruct the men to go down to the water and drink the water and divide them between the men who kneel down and drink water and between the, the men who pull the water up in their hands to their face and lap it like a dog. 300 pull the water up to their face and lap like a, a dog. And God said, send the 9,700 home and you go with the 300. Why so few? God wanted to make sure that Gideon and Israel understood that the victory clearly belonged to God and not them. We're nothing without God. We're defeated without God. We're doomed to destruction without God, but with God, even in the midst of the coronavirus, we're victorious, for we are children of the sovereign God. You know, every week I encourage you to take a next step in your faith, or for those who are not believers, to take the very first step of faith. And so again today, I challenge you, wherever you're watching this uh, message today, would you make that commitment to take your next step? Below the sermon screen, you'll find a connect card button. If you'll click on that button, you can connect with us and you can check what your next step is. And our staff will pray for you in those next steps. If you want us to call, let us know and we'll call and help you navigate those next steps. What might they be? Maybe there's someone watching right now that needs to start a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you pray and confess your sin? Would you accept Jesus Christ's death on the cross? Would you believe in his resurrection and put your faith and trust in him alone? Some may need to be baptized. If you'll just check that, we'll let you know in our next baptismal service and we'll help you be faithful and obedient in baptism. For some, it might be become a member of First Baptist Church and you may wonder, how do I do that when the campus is closed? Give us a call and we'll walk you through how to become a member of First Baptist Church. Some of you need to join a connect group. And again, you may be thinking, how do I join a connect group when the campus is closed? But our connect groups are, are meeting and getting Bible study material online as well. And we've got connect group leaders connecting with their members by phone and uh, email, social media. So let us know if that's your next step. We want to connect you with our family of faith. And then the last one, live on mission during social distancing. I've been so proud of our members for posting some 
beautiful social post of faith and how God is working in their life and your trust in Him. Uh, during this time when we might be staying at home more and getting out less, uh, we can still connect with people. Some of you have identified your one. You've been praying for your one for months right now. During this season, stay connected with them. Share your faith with them and pray that God will help you connect in such a way that they see that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you for watching today. I look forward to seeing you next week as we continue this series on This Is Hope. We're going to look at uh, uh, Mordecai who had hope even despite some adversity in his life. So I'll see you next Sunday.